Good morning. How are we? That was my daughter cheering for me. That's pretty awesome. She's a teenager and she still loves me. It's good, right? Today. She loves me today. It's so good to be here. Um, as I was looking through the calendar and just thinking about this week, I was like, this is the last Sunday of 2020. And I, um, I preach and teach here and, and share, but probably not as often as I'd like or as my husband would like. Um, I recently went back to college, so that's where all of my focus has been. And so I told Mark, I was like, I'll preach this next Sunday. And then I was like, wow, it's the last Sunday of the year. And that, to me, is such an honor to bring you the good news of Jesus at the end of a very challenging year. Raise your hand if 2020 was challenging. Difficult, hard, unknown, scary, fearful, right? It was crazy for everybody, young and old. I remember talking to Emma. She's one of our littlest ones. And she was distraught because she couldn't go back to school and see her friends. And every age in between it, it has affected all of us. So we learned some pretty interesting things this year. We learned how to adapt. We learned how to be flexible. We learned, all of us learned that we were not washing our hands long enough, right? I was singing the ABCs or different, different songs while you're washing your hands. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I've never washed my hands long as I'm supposed to, right? We learned how to make masks. We learned how to make homemade hand sanitizer. We learned how to strategize on how to get toilet paper and Clorox wipes. Right? You had to get online or you had to get to the store first. You had to beg your neighbors or tell your neighbors if you got extra. We learned how to be teachers, homeschool teachers. We learned how to office out of our homes and set up a home station. We learned how to Zoom. Some of us still might be learning how to do that. It's a little tricky. Or maybe you're telling your friends, like, mute it. Stop walking around. You're making me dizzy. Right? We all experience that. We learned how to go outside and take a walk. I saw so many more of my neighbors. I was like, wow, these people live in all these houses around us. I've never seen them before. We remembered how to do puzzles. Anybody do some puzzles or board games? Got those out, dusted them off, maybe did those with the family. We learned how to live in our houses with our entire family every minute of every day for weeks and months on end, didn't we? We're still here to testify. We're alive. We learned that life can change very quickly. I think if we all looked ahead, we would go, we've all said it, right? I would have never dreamt this is what life would look like. It was crazy. In a blink of an eye, our whole lives had changed. We were faced with diseases, with fires, with riots, with discord in our nation, with political issues, with racism and hate. All in one year. We had to learn how to turn off the news turn off our social media, turn off the negativity, even from our loved ones or friends or even from ourselves. I found myself at times being so negative, and I was like, wow, Kara, pull it together. This is not what God says. The world is dark, but he is still alive, and he is still good. We learn that life is not promised, and it's truly a gift from the Lord. Some of us lost loved ones. Some of us heard of people close to us. Some of our friends and family got sick. Some are still sick, and some are still getting sick. Others of us have experienced tragedy this year that had nothing to do with COVID. My dad had a very bad motorcycle accident. So when I think of 2020, COVID and all of that, it was secondary to the things that I was dealing with. And some of you have similar situations where it's like, yeah, that was rough, but this was actually rougher. 
we learned what things are truly important and what things we're thankful for, right? It's like, oh, these are the things that are important. These are the things that I value. I'm going to start investing myself into these things and not those things. If you were like me, you learned to pray more. You learned to pray differently. And I learned to pray more specifically. Instead of these, you know, general, easy Christian prayers, God bless my friends. It was like, this friend for this thing at this time. And man, my prayers got specific. We learned to be gracious and kind to everyone, not just the people that we like or that give us the warm and fuzzies, but the prickly people, right? We learned that everyone deserves kindness and love and generosity. So this isn't my message, but I couldn't, after going through a year like this year, I couldn't just get past it. I wanted to take a second to to grieve it, to think about it, to mourn it, to celebrate it. In the midst of all that, you guys, God was really, really good. Can you think about the things that he did? Can you think about the growth that you had? Can you think about the fact that maybe there were things that were better than they were before all of this happened because you had to change? If I look back in my life and you look back in your life, it's the challenging times that create our character. It's the challenging times that we look back and go, I had to grow. Look at what God did. It was dark and it was hard, but he shaped me and he molded me and he's making me new. We can all raise our hand for that one too, right? God has been faithful. He has been faithful and he's been faithful. And today he is faithful. And in these last few days of 2020 and into 2021, he is faithful. So what I'd like to do is just take a quick minute, and I would like us to just pray. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And just in your heart, maybe you do need to mourn. Maybe you do need to grieve. Maybe you need to celebrate. Maybe you forgot to celebrate the good things. Wherever you're at, as church, online and here in the building, just to take a minute and just give it, give it to the Lord. Is that okay? Awesome. Lord Jesus, We love you so much. We can honestly say that we don't understand it all. And at times we've been very bitter and frustrated and confused and hurt and had so many questions. But God, we do recognize that you are still King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That in in the midst of a hard year, you were still faithful. We are thankful for the breath in our lungs. We are thankful for another day. We are thankful for our friends and our family and our pets and our loved ones and our homes and our comforts. We're thankful that you are peace, that you are love, that you are joy. And just as Christine shared that scripture in the last song that we sang, you are all things. You are in all things. It is by you all things exist and all things are held together by you alone. And God, we declare whatever may come our way. God, we're praying that 2021 will be better. But if it's not, and it brings challenging things, which it probably will, we choose you. We choose to cast our gaze and our eyes upon our Father because you are faithful. We will celebrate, we will mourn, and we will journey together because you are with us You are for us. God, I thank you. And Lord, we just, we surrender it all. The good, the bad, the hurt, the sickness, the 
confusion. Church, can we just take a minute, whatever it is, just give it to the Lord. The word of God says to cast all cares upon him because he cares for you. So we give you 2020. We say, have your way, Lord Jesus, and we are still thankful. You are still our God, and we still say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for letting me just take that minute. I feel like it's important. As humans, we have to, we have to grieve. Sometimes I think we stuff it down, like maybe if we don't deal with it. But we got to feel it. We got to grieve it. We got to mourn it, process it with the Lord, and then we get to let it go, right? I won't sing it, but y'all are thinking it. Let it go. Let it go. My husband does not like that song. So last Sunday, Mark preached a message called Destined to. He started um, just talking about Mary and Joseph and, and them coming and traveling and the birth of Jesus. He talked about uh, the wise men and how they traveled, how they brought gifts to Jesus. He explained that the wise men's travels and purpose was to seek Jesus, to find Jesus, to worship him extravagantly, and to give to him extravagantly. Some of the things that we're going to talk about today will piggyback on that because that's how cool God is. I was pondering some things in my heart, and I was asking God some questions, and I was reading through the scriptures about the birth of Jesus and the death of Jesus. And Mark started preaching last week, and I was like, oh, I was going to preach that. I was going to talk about that. That's what God's telling me. But isn't he good that he speaks to us and simultaneously without conversing or sharing notes or talking about what God was doing, he was speaking to us about very similar things. I love that this morning. Christine, the scripture that she shared, she did not know that the last song that the worship team was doing was that very song with all the things, all the things, all the things, right? God simultaneously drops things in our spirit and he's speaking things, right? So this Christmas season, I have been listening to Christmas songs. I typically don't love them, but this year, for some reason, I was like, we need a little extra cheer. So I started a little early, and I began to think about the story that I've known since I was a little girl. Mary and Joseph, baby in a manger, the star in the sky, the wise men, the shepherds, all of the different things. And I began to ponder things like, who really were these wise men? Why did they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh? What compelled the wise men to fall and worship him when they found him in Matthew 2? I listened to my friend Dave and Tara Power's new song called Peace for Your Christmas Time, enjoying their thoughts of what was it like for Mary to have the hope of the world in her belly? I've been pregnant three times. I know all of those feelings. But to carry the child, the son of God, the hope of the world, I began to ponder with them as they sang that song, what? What would that have really been like? What were her emotions? What were her fears? How long did it take Mary and Joseph to get to Bethlehem? All of these things, right? Some of them I knew. Some of them I had forgotten. Some of them I just flat out didn't know. So I started looking in scripture, of course, and I began to think about the similarities between the birth of Christ and the death of Christ. Mark was talking about myrrh. He was talking about different things last week, and I was like, yeah, that's what I've been thinking. What, what are the similarities between the situation around when he was born and the situation around when he died? Two of the most, if not the most, and the resurrection, biggest events in world history. In the creation of all the world, those two events, right? In my life, those two events, like life-changing. 
So what were the similar things? What were the parallels? I don't know if you find this, but if you look through scripture, I'm always amazed at all the cross-references. And you read one thing, and then you go over here, and you read that thing, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's in the Old Testament. And then you read that, and then it's like prophesying to the New Testament. And it's so brilliantly woven that you could just spend every minute of every day just researching and studying and praying and discovering. It's absolutely amazing. So I found out lots of things. I learned lots of things. So I'm only going to share a couple of them with you, and then you can also do the same and dive into your Bible and see what things that you find. Um, This week's message is called For Unto Us. It's based off of the scripture in Isaiah 9-6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And I always thought that second part, son is given, was the same as he was born. He was born and he was given. But I'm seeing it today, and I'm, I'm going to share it today out of, for unto us a son is born, his birth, and unto us a son is given. God gave his only begotten son. So that is his death, right? So let's pray. Father God, I thank you. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that we are not alone. I thank you that your word is true, that we can take it to the bank, we can cash it in, that what you say is true. God, I thank you that you're consistent, that every single morning I wake up, your mercies are brand new. I thank you for your faithfulness to speak. I thank you that I don't have to, we don't have to come up with ideas. God, we don't have to fill in the blanks, that you speak to us through your word and by your Holy Spirit. And that is my prayer this morning, that you would reveal to us your word, that in your scriptures is life. In your scriptures is truth that sets us free. Let us hear your words and your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so the things that we're going to talk about this morning, just few of the similarities between his birth and his death are myrrh. That was one of the gifts that the wise men brought to Jesus when he was little. The cloths, Mark talked about this last week a little bit, about the swaddling cloths when he was born and the burial cloths when he died. Uh, in both situations, there were things that happened with nature that were unexplainable or kind of crazy, right? So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the significance of the locations of where he was born and where he died. And of course, they're significant, but I really just kind of want to fine-tune on that. I think it's significant that Mark and I are here in Erie, Colorado right now. I feel like that for all of us, God puts us places at specific times. Um, So of course, the two most important things, right? It's significant. Um, In both situations, the angels were present, and we'll talk about kind of what their role was. And then the last point, um, the humanity of Jesus in both situations. Um, wow, yeah, there's so many things, so many things. So let's start with the first one with the myrrh. So remember last week, Mark reminded us of the three wise men. And um, when they got to Jesus, Jesus was not in a manger. He was not the infant baby that we see. Um, Mark was talking about how when he was growing up, the manger scene had all the manger and all the figures, but the wise men were in another room because that's biblical, and his dad, like, could not put them with the rest of the manger because they weren't there when he was a baby. And so I always think that's funny. I'm like, wow, yeah, I guess, you know, he's right. At our house, they're, they're off to the side, um, but they're still there. Um, but the wise men, when they came to Jesus, he was a toddler. He was not an infant, um, and we'll read that in Scripture. In Matthew 2:11, it says, When they had come into the house... 
they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So at the time of Jesus' birth, the frankincense and the myrrh were actually more expensive and more valued than the gold was at that time. Myrrh seems to be a strange gift because myrrh typically is used for burial. It was something that was used around the body, one of the spices and things that they would use to um, get the body and prepare it for death. So it seems weird that they would bring the new child, toddler, baby, myrrh, right? It seems like a weird gift. But all three of these things had a very prophetic meaning to Jesus in his life. So the gold, uh, and Mark covered some of this last week as well, it's representing Jesus' royalty, Jesus the king. That's what the gold represented. The frankincense represented his divinity, fulfilling his divine purpose. That's what that was speaking to. The myrrh was representative of his humanity, how he died for our sins. Let's read in John 19:39. This takes place after Jesus was crucified. And Nicodemus, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. So if you read in scriptures, you can kind of just see. So I just kept reading over the birth of Jesus in, in the different books, and then I would read about the death of Jesus in the different books, and I would go, oh, there's this, and then I would go back and go, oh, there's that, and I would just take notes. And so I would encourage you, when you do that, just get in your Bible and just start jotting stuff down. Just start taking notice. You wouldn't think that that would be kind of a thing, but there's similarities that, to me, are just kind of interesting at why they're at both, both things. So let's talk about the cloths. Mark pointed out last week that the Jewish people carried cloths with them on every trip. It was not uncommon for them to find dead people along the way. The journeys were hard. They didn't have things like we have today with medical care and transportation and all of the comforts and luxuries that we have. So that was kind of a common thing. So they would carry cloths around. So that way, if they found someone who had passed away, uh, their tradition was they couldn't touch the body, so they would use the cloths, and that would be uh, one reason that they carry those cloths with them. He also brought up a good point that Mary knew Jesus would survive the childbirth. They had angels telling them. There were prophecies from way back speaking of Jesus and his life. So Mary probably knew, right, like Jesus is going to survive the childbirth because he's the king of the world. But did she know if she was going to survive? It was very likely for women at that time to pass away as they were giving birth to a baby. And Rachel actually, Mark mentioned that last week, Rachel did that. She passed away during childbirth, and there was a memorial and a tomb for her. And so maybe there was some cloths just in case something happened to her or something happened to somebody else. So at his birth, let's read in Luke 2, 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them at the inn. At his death in John 19, 40, they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with spices as the custom, it was a custom of the Jews to do this, to bury. So these strips were both present at his birth and at his death. I think it sounds a little morbid and sad to talk about burial strips at the birth of a baby, especially the birth of Jesus, right? It seems like, why would you do that? That seems a little off. But let's remember, and this is kind of a point that I really want you to hear today. 
there was one purpose for Jesus coming to earth. One. We all can fill in the blank. That purpose was for him to die. His purpose in coming to earth was for him to die. So we can't celebrate and talk about the birth of Jesus without also recognizing, acknowledging, and celebrating the death of Jesus. Because that is how he rose again, how he paid the price for our sins and made the way for us, right? And so they go together. So it seems weird to talk about the burial class at the birth, but it's, it's one thing, you guys. We, I don't know if you're like me. I'm very compartmentalized. Like, I can, I can stick stuff places, and then, like, that's over there. And I think we do that with our faith sometimes, and we, and we stick them over here because it makes sense to us. We're trying to kind of sort it out a bit. And there's not necessarily anything wrong with that unless you see that the Lord's like, no, those go together. These go together, right? Um. Matthew 1.21, and she, he's talking about Mary, right? She will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I can't even read scriptures like this without getting teared up, because Jesus, he came for me. He came for you. Guys, this isn't just another scripture. This is what we believe, this is truth, this is power, this is life. Philippians 2.8, in being found in appearance as a man, and it's talking about Jesus here, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. He was obedient. He had his mission in mind. He knew the Father's heart. He knew the plan. That's a whole other Easter message, but he, I, I think at some point he wanted off that cross. He was human. He was hurting. He was, gosh, that's a whole other message, right? But he was obedient even unto death because he knew his purpose. He knew what God, the Father, his dad, had sent him to do. All right, the next thing is nature. So there's different things that happen in nature in both of these events. At the birth of Christ, it was the star. In Matthew 2, 9, when they heard the king, they departed. It's talking about the wise men. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. So the guiding star went before them. Mark kind of joked about this last week. Stars don't move, 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 and then stop and are still, right? That's not really how they work. But this star did, which is supernatural. These magi were Eastern astrologers. So they were magicians, sorcerers, um, astrologers. They knew the stars. That's what they did. That's what they studied. That's what they knew. And they noticed the star in the sky was different. And they knew, like, something is up. And the prophecies and all the things. And then King Herod, we all know the story, right? Like, if you don't, go back and read it. It's really interesting. And Mark touched on it a lot last week. But they followed the star. That was supernatural. Um, at Jesus' death uh, with nature, it was the earthquaking and the darkness. So in Matthew 27, 45, at this part in script, there's a lot of scripture, so I'm kind of like, I'll just kind of let you know where we're just dropping in and out of the scriptures for sake of time. But it's Matthew 27:45. Jesus at this point was on the cross. He'd been on the cross for a little bit. And it says, now in the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness all over the land. 
do the math, three hours, <laughs> right? Unless biblical time is different, which sometimes there's stuff I don't know about the Bible and like times. That's, you have to get out your concordance and your study Bibles for all of that. But that's like a long time that the earth was dark. It was just, the land was dark. Can you explain that? Like just, that's supernatural, right? There was something that God did in that time with the weather and the atmosphere to create darkness. It was right about the ninth hour that Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was dark before that. It was, it was the last moments before Jesus took his last breath. In Matthew 27, verse 51 and 54, it says, Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn into from top to bottom. That's another preach too, right? How does it be torn from top to bottom? The people are at the bottom. That's supernatural. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. So when the centurion and those with him were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly saying, truly, this was the son of God. God can use nature and the signs around us. And we're like, whoa. They were not believers. They were just there guarding, doing their, their Roman duties. And earthquake and the rock split. And they're like, whoa, this was the son of God, right? So he used nature in both, both um, situations. The next one is the significance of the locations. So I think even the kids know this, right? Jesus was born in Jerusalem. Do you know that? We need to start children's classes, by the way. I'm going to do a little plug real quick. We are ready to start children's classes. Woo! Um, but we need your help. We feel like we're safe enough. The kids are ready. It's time. Um, so we need volunteers. We need helpers. We can come up with the lessons. If you're like, I can help teenagers, you can help. Adults, obviously, um, we can get on a rotating schedule, whatever we need to do. Can you please see me if you can help even a little bit or if you can help a lot? That would be awesome. And all the kids said, yay. They're busy with their worksheets. I don't know. Okay. So, um, so Bethlehem is where Jesus was born. The place of death was Golgotha, right? So Bethlehem was also called the city of David. If you know about Jesus' lineage, and you can go back in the scripture and read who begot 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 who. It's very long, begot who. If you go back and read all of that, in the lineage of Jesus was David. So he was taken back to the place, the city of David, to give birth so that Jesus would be born in that city, right? So, um, the word Bethlehem also means house of bread. Does this sound familiar? Jesus was also called the bread of life or the true manna, right? The true manna from heaven. Let's turn back to the Old Testament in Micah 5.2. This is prophetically speaking about the time of Jesus' birth. It says, but you, Bethlehem, I'm not going to say that next word because I don't know how to, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you, out of you, Bethlehem, shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. So in Micah, it's already prophesying, right, that it would happen out of Bethlehem. Um, this scripture was told to King Herod in Matthew 2, 6. Remember, King Herod gathered all the priests and all the scribes because he wanted to know where Jesus was being born, and it wasn't for a good reason, right? He wanted to take him out because he was a threat. And he knew all these prophecies were starting to come true, 
right? Um, so the place of death for Jesus was Golgotha. Do we know what that's called? The place of the, anyone know? Skull, right? The place of the skull. Um, there's, that's a whole study. You can study why they think it's that. Some people think it because it's because the mountain in the area looked like a skull. Other people said there were skulls there from previous deaths. There's lots of different theories on why it's called that, but it's called the place of the skull. So both those places, Bethlehem and Golgotha, are desolate places. They are not off the regular road. You have to travel to get there. They are both kind of places of rejection outside of the community or the city. They had to be traveled. Mary and Joseph traveled a long time to get there. Mary and Joseph traveled 80 miles to Bethlehem. Have any of you even walked or ran eight miles? Eight. This is 80. Well, Peter has. Peter does it all the time. He's like, yeah, I did it this morning on the way to church. But Mary was pregnant, you guys. If you've been pregnant, walking a mile is a job. And she, we might think that she rode a donkey, but we have no reason to believe that. That's nowhere in scripture that they had a donkey or rode a donkey. So for all we knew, they walked and traveled 80 miles. 80 miles, you guys. If we have to drive 20 miles, we're like, oh, it's so far. 80 miles. It was long, hard. She was very pregnant. They were poor. They didn't have resources. They were alone. They didn't have an entourage of people caring for them or keeping them company. They were just on the road. Jesus had to carry the cross to Golgotha. If you've watched The Passion of the Christ or similar movies, even just those minutes just watching is, it's painful. He was beaten, he was scorned, he was mocked the entire way. In the natural, he was bleeding, he was in pain, he was probably hungry and thirsty. It was probably sting, I mean, everything was touching, I mean, just think about it. And then spiritually speaking, he felt rejected, he felt betrayed, he felt the weight. Can you imagine the weight of the world, literally, and the future on his shoulders? So those were the significance, just the scratch the surface significance of those two locations. The next one we're going to talk about for a few minutes is angels. So angels appear to tell of both events, both the birth and the death. In scriptures, angels always give directions. They give warnings and announcements. Okay? They always point us to Jesus. We are not to worship angels. We worship Jesus. Jesus points us to angels. Are angels real? Yes. Are they in scripture? Yes. Are they biblical? Yes. Great thing to study. Believe in them. We are not to worship the angels, right? We worship Jesus. They always point us to Jesus. So the angel appeared to Mary in Luke 1. It's long, so I'm not going to read it. It's, chap- it's uh, verses 26 through 37. Basically, the angel said, Mary, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. You're going to conceive, bring forth a son. His name will be Jesus. He will be great, son of the highest, Lord God. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom, there will be no end. Right? This is what the angel's telling Mary. So Mary asks, um, excuse me, angel, how, how, how is this going to happen? And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, for with God, nothing is impossible. I quote that scripture all the time, and I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's where that is. For with God, nothing is impossible. 
So the angel appeared to the shepherds in Luke 2, 8 through 14. Now there, uh, sorry, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. You see a theme here. Angels often say this in scripture. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. We like that scripture, don't we? It's a good one. So angels were appearing at his birth and speaking of his birth that was coming. And then at the end, on the other end, at the death, an angel appeared to Mary Magdalene and the other Mary at the tomb where Jesus was buried. In Matthew 28, verse 5 through 7, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. For he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay. And quickly go tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And indeed, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So there were similarities in the angels declaring, announcing, proclaiming, warning, telling them, do not be afraid, right? I think we need some angels. We could have used some angels in 2020, huh? Do not be afraid. All right, the last one I want to touch on real quick is the humanity of Jesus. So in both situations, in his birth and his death, he was very vulnerable. He was helpless. And I choose that word helpless very carefully, but it is true. I work right now in an infant classroom, and there's 10 little ones. They're like six or seven weeks to like right over a year old. They can't really do anything for themselves. It's like clockwork, bottle, diaper, nap, change the clothes. Oh, they spit up. Now I got to... It's like constant, and even the ones that are a little toddling or waddling around or even a few of them that are starting to walk, they can't buckle their strap when we eat snack, and they can't take their hoodie off. And one of them, I'm like, come on, Ruby, come on over. She can walk, and she, like, it takes her forever. I have to help them do everything. That's a baby, you guys. That's how Jesus came. He could not feed himself. He couldn't change himself. He couldn't talk. He couldn't. His brain was like a baby brain. It was developing just as ours did. He was very helpless in that way. He also died vulnerable and helpless. He was humiliated. He was beaten. He was exhausted. He was tired. So much so that when he died, they had to carry his body to the tomb. That sounds pretty helpless and vulnerable, right? He chose that out of obedience. But in this, it's the same. He came that way and he left that way, right? He was fully flesh. He, in the natural, he needed to be fed and cared for. He needed to be loved. He needed to be sheltered. He needed to be taught. And as a man, he felt pain. He felt rejection. He felt oppression. He felt pressure. He felt all the things that we feel. There was purpose in that. That was God's design. So the likeness of the flesh in Romans 8.3. For what the law could not do... 
in that was, was weak through the flesh. God did it by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that's just saying he was just like us. He was weak through the flesh. Likeness of men, Philippians 2, 7 through 8. This is how he was like us. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the cross. So as we celebrate Jesus' birth, we do so with a full recognition that God sent Jesus to the earth for one reason, right? We haven't talked about the resurrection today, and there's, we could have added that as another thing. But today I want us to see that God has purpose in all that he does, and we may not understand it. But as we wrap up this year and we celebrate his birth, can we also celebrate the victory and the things, the truth that we gain because he did come as a baby and because he did die. He lived a sinless life. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. That's you and me. That we might receive the adoption of son, as sons, and because you are his son, his daughter, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you, my friend, are no longer a slave to sin. I am no longer a slave to sin. Because we are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We carry his name. We carry his anointing. We carry his peace. I told the kids last week, the biggest trick of the enemy is to make us think that we don't matter. You don't matter. You're just so-and-so. You live in little Erie, Colorado. Like, what are you going to do? You don't make a difference. Guess what you do? The Bible says so. He died for you. He paid the price. He made you unique and special. You are the only one that's just like you. I am the only one that's just like me. Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born and a child is given. So how do you apply this to your life? He came for you. He came for you. Mark and I were talking in the car. When the wise men went, we don't know that they really went to worship him. They went to follow a star. Maybe they were curious. Maybe part of them felt like maybe this is the king of the world. Maybe this is who the scriptures have testified of. Maybe they were just going because King Herod was like, get your butts out there and tell me about this baby. Tell me where he is so I can worship him, right? Maybe they were just following orders. But they took him the most priceless and precious and expensive gifts. But that's not the part of the story that, that we were discussing. We talked about how when they found Jesus, the Bible says that they fell down and they worshipped him. Something happened when they arrived in his presence. Something changed to where it wasn't just, I, I'm going to give you this material thing to 
give you my everything. I'm going to give you my all. I'm going to give you my heart. You are king. You are worthy. Here I am, Lord. Something happens. And if you look through scripture, you see the lame that can't walk and they encounter Jesus and they are changed. You see people who are sick. You see people who didn't believe in God, didn't believe in Jesus, didn't believe in the stories. You had rulers, high up people in society, and they would recognize there is something about this name, something about this man. Would you heal my daughter? And they had faith and something changed because they encountered a living God. Have you encountered him? Have you encountered him today? Have you encountered him recently? Or are you still chewing on last year's manna because you're tired? It's been tough, you guys. But we can encounter him again and again and again. And again and again and again. And sometimes I bring my best and I'm like, Lord, I jumped through all the hoops. I did all the things. I'm here for you, God. I love you so much. And he's like, why'd you do that? just wanted you. And I'm like, oh yeah. I'm so guilty of that because I want to please him. I want to do what's best. I want to do what's right. I want to serve him with my whole heart. And he's like, that's all I want is your heart. That's all I want. Would you guys stand with me? I just want to pray over us today. You guys are no longer slaves. Can we say that? I am no longer a slave to sin because he came. Let me just read you a few of these, the names of Jesus, the name that is above every name. He's the bread of life. He is living water. He's the son of God. He's a teacher, the master. He is almighty one, redeemer, advocate, everlasting father, beloved son of God. He's the bridegroom, the chief cornerstone, the righteous one, the true vine, deliverer, good shepherd, Messiah. He is head of the church. He is the great I am. He is prince of peace. He is the word in John. He is the indescribable gift. He is the judge. He is the alpha and the omega. He is truth. He is the king of kings, the lamb of God. He is the son of man, light of the world. He is the way. He is Lord of all, the mediator, author and finisher of your faith. He is the great high priest, the mighty one, He is peace. He is Emmanuel, God with you. He is the rock. He is the son of the highest. He is savior. He's lion of the tribe of Judah, resurrection and the life. He is the door. He is the wonderful counselor, to name a few. He is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Precious Jesus. There is no name like your name. Your word says it, at your name, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that you are king. God, would you remind us of what you did when you sent your son? Holy Spirit, remind us of the faithfulness and the obedience of Jesus and what it bought for us, what it paid for. God, would you change our patterns and our mindsets and our sinfulness? God, would you convict us 
and bring us to our knees to worship you. Holy one of Israel, King of kings, lover of my soul. You are not some faraway distant God. You are tangible and you are here. Emmanuel, God with us. You are worthy of it all. there's anyone here, anyone online who doesn't know this Jesus, this mighty one, the savior of the world, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. It's not about the words necessarily. It's about your heart crying out, Abba, Father. It's about your heart crying out to God, saying, I need a savior. I believe. So would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you came as a baby, that you died on the cross, and that you rose again so that I could have life and life more abundant. Would you wash me clean? I give you my all, just as the wise men worshiped you. I give you my heart, my life. Jesus name if you prayed that prayer today and you're here I would love to talk to you after we'll have pastors and people up here who can pray for you if you're online and you prayed that prayer we would love to hear from you we have Bibles we can connect you with with resources or people or connect groups or we can simply pray with you or talk to you you can reach us at contact at impact.com you guys Jesus is alive I'm guilty of being too busy and too whatever. Let's not be too whatever. Let's seek the king. Amen? Amen. I'm going to leave you with this blessing. It's found in Numbers 6, 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Love you guys. Happy New Year. We'll see you in 2021. Woo-woo!